Yeah, I would love to learn about Tom Cruise. I want to know the facts about Tom Cruise because <laughs> it seems impossible to know the truth at this point. Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode nine. Today we've got quite a bit to cover. Yeah, we've got a little um, we've got a little placenta talk coming today, um, and we're talking pregnancy classes as well. Mm. And um, I guess we should do updates. I've got um, I've got one update. My wife had an appointment where she did an MRI. Oh, and, wow! Uh, yeah, they checked the um, they they were checking the position of the placenta to see if there were any problems and getting like a real detailed look at the baby. And uh, yeah, we're in week 33, by the way, uh, and everything was fine at the end of that. So, oh, nice. you know, yeah, so it's another kind of uh, no news is good news update for us. You know, one of the things that could make you need a C-section is if you have placenta troubles, like if it's in the wrong place or um, I don't know anything beyond that. But let's say if it's in the wrong place, you may <laughs> need to get a C-section. And then another another problem could be a breech birth. You might need a C-section for that. So um, the placenta was looking mighty fine, they said. Nice. And that's one less reason to need the C-section date that we have tentatively scheduled. The baby is still breech, however. The baby is pointed straight up and he needs right. to be pointed straight down. So he's still a significant 180 away from where he needs to be, but there's still two or three weeks yet for that to work itself out. So we'll see. Okay, cool. Um, one more fun detail about the MRI was that uh, Ayumi was a bit um, trepidatious, might I say? Is that a real word? I don't know. It but is. she was a bit worried. <laughs> That's good. She was a bit worried about sitting in the the MRI machine and like you know they give you earplugs, but it's still very loud. You yeah. have to lay there in the little tube and you're pregnant. So you're sort of protruding anyway. And I guess it adds to the feeling of claustrophobia. Yeah. And uh, she was worried about it. But then she got into the MRI and she said the way that they have set this one up to deal with that sort of uh, anxiety is there's like an angled mirror on the ceiling of the MRI. And what is showing in the angled mirror? But old Tom and Jerry episodes, my friend. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they have like a little TV or some sort of screen set up uh, out the other end of the MRI, I guess. And they're playing like Tom and Jerry with like uh, gentle music in the background. So that's you great can sit for your yeah, sit for your twenty minutes and watch cartoons. So no worries to anyone who needs to take an MRI. It's that just, is it's total fun. That is drastically different from the experience I had in America. What was your MRI for? I had a uh, herniated disc Ooh, yeah, probably eight years ago now. And uh, so they send you in to do this MRI in this cold white room in mm -hmm. this loud banging machine. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I'm a big guy. So getting into this little tube, I'm already feeling cramped. And then it's just making noise everywhere, and it's yeah, it's it's very, very stressful. I I, yeah. I didn't like my experience at all. Yeah, I had an MRI for a herniated disc. Um, I don't know, six months ago, something like that. Oh, pretty recently. And yeah, I loved every second of it. I'm a <laughs> well, big, yeah, you had uh, cartoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had no cartoons. I was in like yesterday's MRI machine model. I oh. had no such luxury, but I was just laying there and I'm a big capsule hotel fan. I like to have the <laughs> like the tight confined space. And another thing is uh, if I sometimes I'll have to go under the house in the crawl space and literally drag myself around under the house. And oh, occasionally God. I'll just lie back and think like, I love it down here. Oh, my I can God. Live down here. I don't oh, know why. I like it so different, space, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was I was kicking it in the MRI. I was totally fine. Oh, good. I'm um, glad you felt like you were in a cocoon then and yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> if I can uh, go on one more tangent off of our tangent here. Okay. They were giving me a lot of back talk about having tattoos going into the MRI. Really? Yeah. I don't know if uh, <laughs> you, you have the odd tattoo here and there, don't you? Yeah, I've got a couple. Yeah. And then when you went to do an MRI, did you have tattoos at that time? Well, I did, but it was in America. So they didn't say anything, eh? 
Of course not. Why would they? Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> well, allegedly, like the uh, some type of ink that is sometimes used in a tattoo could react to the magnetic resonance of the MRI. And wow. then that ink would then like, you know, vibrate or try and make its way out of your body somehow. I don't know the, the technical specifications, obviously. But um, the fear is that you'll have this extreme burning sensation on the surface of the tattoo. And they said that when I set up the appointment, they were really worried about that. And then I um, went home and looked it up on Google Scholar, which is like the Google search for academic articles. Hmm. I found one written and published in the United States from just a few years ago where they um, tested like some odd, I don't know, 900 some odd people or a thousand people with tattoos going into an MRI. And only one of them reported anything even resembling a mild discomfort in the MRI. So I think it was, and then that was was just probably anxiety. Yeah, it was something. (laughs) Yeah, it was something they reported. Oh, there's some, some tiny discomfort. I don't know. Did I, or didn't I, who knows? And then right after the MRI, it was like, no problem, no lingering effects or whatever. So it was like kind of a non-result. And that was only one out of the, you know, nearly thousand people in the study. And so I think this is just residual sort of like, Japanese like anti-tattoo feeling and then they kind of were like oh tattoos eh that's trouble you know there I feel like the doctor was predisposed to give me a hard time about the tattoos but I went in no trouble whatsoever didn't feel anything I'm wondering like I I know tattoo ink used to be kind of toxic and at some point in history there was actual lead in it And I wonder if those technicians just don't realize that things have improved in the last hundred years because, you know, some stuff doesn't here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there could be some old guys knocking around with old tattoos or maybe somebody got their tattoos in prison or something. Yeah. And uh, not using the best methods. But um, Yeah. yeah, for any modern tattoo, as far as everything I've read and everything I've personally experienced, it's just a non issue. But yeah. man, they were harping on it. Like it That's was crazy. The, the doctor who set up the appointment, the um the technician was talking about it and uh, it was just, it was nothing. It was less than nothing. It was just like a total non event. But huh. um <laughs> anyway, so that's our yeah. MRI hunk yeah. out of the way. Interesting. I'll be I hope I never have to do one here. Yeah, they'll put you through your paces. Um, but, uh, yeah, what's the Moe update? Um, right now, no update. We go in, uh, in a couple days to do our next checkup. And so I'll have an update then right now. Everything's fine. Lots of kicking, lots Mm -hmm. of activity going on. Mm -hmm. She's her belly's getting bigger and people keep talking about that. And apparently (laughs) that's, very sensitive subject in japan i don't Mm. know i I don't know how this is in america but i assume like people mentioning like size of pregnant women's bellies is always kind of a touchy subject i would say so in america yeah yeah it seems touchy here as well do you find that ayumi has any issues with people saying anything about it um, not really. I think, uh, it was just so long awaited in our case, like the pregnancy itself that, um, any like affirmation of the pregnancy is just a pure positive at this point. Oh, so okay. we're just like, yep, I'm pregnant. Yep. Yeah, boy. And, uh, <laughs> that's about as far as it goes. So I haven't heard anything positive or negative. It's just kind of a matter of course, I think. Nice. Yeah. If anything, you know, when we were trying to do maternity photos, we wanted more pop. Like we wanted, we were like looking for that angle to show it off. And then, um, Ayumi has purchased a few dresses that are, um, like form fitting is the wrong word, but you know, dresses that actually kind of show off the baby bump a bit more. Hmm. And when we went to an anniversary dinner, uh, last week or so, uh, she popped one of those on and she was proud of it. Like she's all about it. Yeah. So she's, um, she's showing it off for sure. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Yeah. That's all for the updates. I think. Uh, you have anything else going on or you're just in a holding pattern waiting for the next appointment? Yeah, just a holding pattern right now until Tuesday. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Well, um, that takes us into segment one, and I think this should be a recurring segment, and that is Justin Fact Checks Himself. <laughs> okay. And, uh, Mark will when... never fact check himself. 
<laughs> Mark is either A, always correct, or B, careless with the truth and doesn't care. Uh, I, yeah, I listen back to the episodes, you know, a little quality control, check things out, see what's good, see what's bad. What's normally bad is that I screw things up. Uh, that's half of it. And then the other half is that uh, my wife, Ayumi, listens to the episode and then she tells me afterward, oh, no, 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 that's not right at all. Or, you know, we've had some conversation about the baby and I've misunderstood something. And yeah, that happens to me, me a lot as well. Yeah. I never correct it, though. Yeah, <laughs> you just leave it out there. <laughs> I probably That's should, but difference. I forget to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, one is uh, I said before that my wife was way underweight for like the, the safe, you know, sort of weight range to gain uh, during a right. pregnancy. I said that she was like three kilograms short of that. It turns out that she is right in the middle average. But what I misunderstood was like throughout the course of the entire pregnancy until the end of the pregnancy, there's a maximum and she is like right on pace to reach that eventually. But, you know, she's still like two months out. So she's got, you know, still room to grow for sure. Well, that's good uh, then. Yeah, yeah. So she is right yeah. in the middle, like no cause for alarm. But she's like three kilograms short of the final average, not three kilograms short of where she's supposed to be right now. Oh, I see. So yeah, no alarm there. She is nice. doing A-OK weight-wise. Um, the second fact check that I would like to get out there is, uh, and this I fully blame on the staff at the Honda dealership. Remember when I said I asked the guy about mm. Honda vans I was going to bring this up, actually. Yeah, yeah. So you were going to fact check, but only me. (laughs) See how it works. Man. Uh, So he said, um, he was like, oh, yeah, Honda van. uh, It's just the K van that we have, the N van. Mm. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, that's the only van. And this could have been me not speaking Japanese. And this whole conversation was happening in that language. So Mm. I might have missed the odd detail here and there. But um, also, uh, I'm relatively certain that he was telling me that there was no Honda van at all. And mm. uh, then on the streets, since I, you know, said that to tens of thousands <laughs> of people on this podcast, uh, I've We're been seeing nothing but yeah, I've been <laughs> seeing nothing but like Honda Odysseys all over the road. I was going to say I saw like three yeah. the other day. Yeah, and then I looked it up online, and on the English side of it, anyway, it says like. Honda Odyssey, the Honda minivan for your family. So they openly acknowledge that they have vans. But the salesman was a bit young. And my wife said at one point that he seemed to be learning on the job a bit. So maybe yeah. he doesn't know the whole Honda lineup. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, there's blame to go around for sure. And uh, there are Honda vans out there, I think. That's as far as I can go with it right now. I'm relatively sure that there are things classified as a Honda van, a big old van that you can put the whole family in. I got the Freed, which is the best of all possibilities. I still stand by that. But um, yeah, there are vans available. I was actually driving behind the a, a newer Honda Freed and a, uh, what is it, Toyota Sienta the other day. Yes. So mm-hmm. I had two of them side by side in front oh, of perfect. me. Perfect. And I was really surprised at how small the Sienta was compared to the Freed. Oh, interesting. Like I had, I, I really like thought they were like on par to the same level. I even thought like the Sienta might be a little bigger, mm. but it's really smaller. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know if I've seen them lined up side by side. I've thought about them both a lot and I've been inside both of them. And um, yeah, I think they're competitors. They're in the same class, but Oh, Honda Freed people, it's the way to go. Yeah. And uh, we're not getting paid to space. say that. We are not at all. I we wish like we to. were. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe once we crack 100,000 listeners, then right. the money will start flowing in. Right. We'll get there. At this rate, you know, 2040 is looking perfect. 2040. <laughs> that's our target date. Nice. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, those are, uh, those are my fact checks. Those are okay. the two things that I said wrong last week. And I'll say more things wrong this week, and we'll continue the segment. Look forward to those. Until that time comes, uh, we've got real segments to talk about. One of them is the pregnancy class that I went to. Right. I'm really interested to hear about this. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a one-off class. Just a single, I, I assume it was supposed to be an hour-long session, but um, it 
went on into about an hour and a half once we asked a few questions and chatted a bit with the nurse. And this nice. was at the Kanazawa University Hospital, which is where uh, my wife is going and where she will give birth one day soon. Mm. Um, so it's apparently a service that they offer. And it's not like a class class, like in the evening with a bunch of other couples. It's just more you set up an appointment with a nurse and then the nurse walks you through a few of the key child rearing things. Oh, okay. Uh, and gives you like a, you know, baby doll to try out diaper changing on and try out bathing and that sort of stuff. Hmm. So uh, that was the nature of it. It was just my wife and I and um, and a nurse. And it was in the same OBGYN hallway uh, at the Kanazawa University Hospital that we always go to. Nice. So uh, the first thing right out of the gate, as soon as we arrive, the first thing that they do is uh, the nurse says, OK, so we're going to explain to the husband what it's like to be pregnant by <laughs> emasculating him and making him wear the bodysuit with the big pregnant belly and the breasts. <laughs> and so uh, she pulls it out and it's like, uh, it's like a bulletproof vest, but very squishy. And um, it, or it's like one of those lead vests that you wear at the dentist or something. Right. And, uh, or not the dentist. I mean, if you're getting x-rays anywhere, dentist or otherwise. So you put on this vest and they Velcro you across the back and you've got breasts, you've got like a full nine month pregnant stomach and it's all weighted and everything. And then what happens next? You wear it for the entire hour and a half. Oh, really? It's not, it's not just a little experience. <laughs> it's not just something to try on, but it's something that they put on you and make you wear the entire time. And uh, I should say also that this is not in a classroom or in a little office. This is in uh, the children's play area. You know, like... <laughs> You know, like when you go to a car dealership or if you go to, I don't know, the body shop or something, they have a kid's play area with little carpet and little cushions and stuff and some oh, toys. God. They have one of those, obviously, in the OBGYN area because it's like a bunch of mothers and fathers in there with their other young kids. So they have a whole section. It's just the end of the hallway. It's not even off to the side or anything. Wow. So um, I was there standing on full display for an hour and a half. Please in my tell me that there was a bunch of kids staring at you. I was dreading the moment, actually, that a kid would want to come in there and actually play and just yeah. stare at me. I get stared at anyway, being a foreigner. And then they're right. like, who's this pregnant foreign man? You're just like, going to like cause like serious issues for this kid the rest of his yeah. life if he sees it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't even think about it from the kid's perspective. But that's like a jarring first memory. Uh, set you off on the wrong path. But um, yeah, I no kids came down. Luckily, you know, there's a shortage of children in Japan. So there weren't many kids <laughs> around and there weren't even that many people in the hall. Just say four five, six, seven coming and going throughout the course of the hour and a half. Just nice. throwing me the odd glance, uh, shuddering and then looking the other way. Right. And um, yeah, so that was step one. I wore that the entire time. Nice. Step two is about diaper changing. And they give you a very realistic, like squishy doll. Uh, with sort of like, you know, joints that you can bend at the elbows and, and knees hmm. and everything. Um, they gave us the girl doll. It's anatomically correct. Uh, we're going to have a boy, but they only had a girl doll on hand. Hmm. And then uh, they use real diapers, of course. And it's like real baby clothes that tie in the way that Japanese baby clothes tie. Like, a, you know, a yukata or sort of a jimbei, like that vest or right. uh, kind of, a, you know, shorts. The two and strings a, on each side. and Yes, and like a robe. I don't know if that's common in the West, but a lot of baby clothes I've seen have that little two-string tie-off thing going on. I'm not familiar with them. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like in the U.S. it's mostly snaps, you know, like yeah. little buttons or snaps. Uh, but I've seen a lot of those, and we've received some baby clothes up to this point that do have those. So I think it's a common, like, jimbei-style tie-off method for the baby clothes so they've hmm. got the doll dressed up in that the nurse would instruct us about how to change the diaper we would change the diaper you know practice picking up the baby setting down the baby i would you know try to avoid my massive pregnant stomach while I'm moving all the stuff around <laughs> and then um the only other step of the thing really was um bathing and we watched a video where they bathed like a real newborn which was funny to me that they must have had the conversation at some point with some like, you know, yeah. new mother and new father, like, Hey, can we make a promotional video with your newborn baby? And, uh, <laughs> they showed all the steps of how to, you know, properly shampoo and hold on to the baby in the bathtub. 
And then we practiced it. And then there was a Q&A time with the nurse, and that was nice. handy. We asked maybe half an hour's worth of questions, and she gave us explanations. So it was a good uh, crash course, a good one-off, you know? That sounds good, yeah. And if you can change diapers and bathe the child, then uh, that's a good head start on things you'll need to do with the baby. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised uh, it's like a one-on-one thing. I, I, I mean, from my understanding of these types of classes, it's always like you go in there with a the group, and then you're in this like circle of other parents doing the same thing. But I guess yeah. Japan likes to be more one-on-one. Yeah. It may be too, that it's just something that's a bit out of the ordinary and it's not scheduled regularly. And mm-hmm. so you can just kind of sign up for it on a whim and then get the one-off experience. I don't know. Um, but that was my impression too. In the U S is that you're in there with a the full class of people and that you go every week or something and they teach you different things. But yeah, this was not that nice, but it was a good experience. Um, you know, sometimes you feel like whatever you've done has been a little bit of a waste of time or whatever, but this was pretty hands-on. And then the Q and a with a, um, maternity nurse was very valuable to ask anything directly that you wanted. Um, I asked about, uh, having an uncircumcised boy and are there any special cleaning methods that you would mm. want to use to um to keep them all squeaky yeah. clean as americans we would have no idea yeah and uh <laughs> she said that there was um there was nothing special just uh you know just do the normal thing and it should be fine and if problems arise then talk to the pediatrician at that time but mm. uh, it should be fine without any special help i also asked if a baby needs a bath every day because hmm. uh, I'm kind of a scumbag. And so <laughs> it's like, I can't be bathing this baby every day. Um, but uh, I, she said that on average, one a day is good, but it's not totally necessary, but still go for one a day. Right. And that's the uh, least yeah. you can do. Yeah, that's, the least, that's literally the least you can and should do. Um, it was a, more about like, uh, I was thinking like, well, this kid's not going to be sweating he's not doing hard work he's not like you know out in the dirt and grass and all this sort of thing so is he really getting that dirty does he need to bathe all the time he can't walk yet give him six months or so (laughs) he's just laying around and uh furthermore i was like you know dogs isn't it even dangerous to bathe them too much are babies like dogs i don't know and so i didn't want to make any mistakes so i just cleared it with her she said the one a day policy is best and that's what i will abide by right Right. That's good. And that's pretty much what I got out of it. Uh, It was a a fun experience. I recommend it to anybody. I don't know what's available. I would assume it's different at every single clinic around Japan. So just see what's on offer and try it out. How much did the belly and boobs weigh? I'm curious. Um, They told us, uh, I forgot, but it was um, modeled after uh, full... We would say nine month, the Japanese would say 10 month, like max pregnancy, you know, just about to pop. So it was okay. protruding and it was weighted toward that. So I don't know, five, six, seven kilograms, eight kilograms, something like that. Okay. I'm just yeah. curious because I'm noticeably larger than you. If mm-hmm. you were to look at, look at us side by side mm-hmm. and my belly already sticks out much more than yours. <laughs> <laughs> but besides yeah. that, like... I just feel like I wouldn't be able to get this thing on very well. And yeah. seven kilograms to me, I a guy who goes to the gym probably every other day doesn't seem like that much. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, I, you know, I felt pretty good wearing it. And then I even felt like, hey, this is hitting some muscle groups I don't normally hit. <laughs> All right. It's not bad. And uh, it was kind of a fun experience. Okay. <laughs> but, um, my real worry was the aforementioned herniated disc that like, oh, right. you know, gives me pain every single day. And I was like, this better not throw that off. I could be on the floor. But luckily, I'm in a hospital already. So, yeah, best case scenario, I guess. But yeah, it, it wasn't too big of a deal. Nice. Um, it's like a big lead vest that they put on you at the doctor's office. And, you know, that's kind of a one size fits all, like mm. just a piece in the front piece in the back and then these straps kind of strap around so i think it could go on anybody really okay uh yeah probably you could give it a whirl you could you know check mercari see if you can buy one where yeah maybe i'll use it as my as my weightlifting vest yeah yeah (laughs) it was uh it was a good time 
Um, I wanted to take my sweatshirt off, put on the pregnancy thing, and then put the sweatshirt on on top of it <laughs> just for the full effect, just for the look. But um, I didn't want to be too weird. I already feel kind of weird all the time, so I didn't want to push it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably better. Anyway, maternity <laughs> class was well worth it. Thumbs up from me. And um, I think uh, you're up next with some placenta talk. Uh, a little bit of placenta talk. So... Over New Year's, we were hanging out with Moy's dad, and somehow the conversation got steered towards, at the time, what I thought was called a placenta pouch, mm-hmm. where, and what I what I learned more recently was that it's actually the umbilical cord pouch that parents in Japan keep their child's umbilical cord in after it's been cut off. And they store this forever, from what I understand. Wow. And it's like a, it goes in a freezer somewhere at a hospital or a clinic. No, no, no. It goes in your closet or wherever mm. you, wherever you feel like storing it. Yeah. It gets, Interesting. it gets dried. It gets wrapped in like a kind of like a gauze cloth. And then mm-hmm. it gets stuffed into a, uh, they, they call it a, a kiribako. And mm-hmm. I think kiribako, like that type of wood, would is called a polonia tree. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it, but I guess it's it's what they use to store kimonos in that keeps things really dry and it's a really lightweight wood. And so you've got like, a, it's only the umbilical cord. There's no placenta involved in this? Right, right. It's only the okay. umbilical cord. And it's essentially like a jerky at this point. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the history behind it is, uh, I guess they used to start keeping it because they thought that if a child became like too ill or had like a near-death experience, that they can then later on like somehow eat this and regain their strength because there was a lot of like uh, uh, health associated with the umbilical cords back then. Mm. I've heard, uh, you know, just random odds and ends about people freezing the umbilical cord or using it for like, Mm. um, I don't know, some, I always thought it was half kind of pseudoscience. I mean, it must be rich in a great many things like nutritionally, but like not at a miracle level, you know? No, otherwise uh, somebody would have capitalized on this by now. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Um, maybe that's how the rich stay alive longer. Well, they're the ones who have capitalized. Did you ever hear about like, and this isn't like umbilical cord, but did you ever hear about like Tom Cruise eating his child's placenta? No, I didn't. He didn't? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I think God, it probably must have been like 15 years ago at this point. Uh, I remember hearing that he was going to, that he was planning on eating it after his child was born. I don't know why. I mean, other than he's crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, but allegedly. I'm sorry. Allegedly, we don't need Scientology coming after us. Yeah, unless um, they want to advertise, I'll take their true. money. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he ever actually did it. I think he got so much flack after saying that that he, yeah, he never he never actually said if he did it. But I'm pretty wow. sure he did. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard you know this and that about it, and uh, I. Yeah, I would love to learn about Tom Cruise. I want to know the facts about Tom Cruise because <laughs> it seems impossible to know the truth at this point. Because Who his is Tom Cruise? Who's Tom Cruise? Like, what has he really done? I want to know. I, I don't think there is really a Tom Cruise at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So- society has contributed so much to his legend that we can't differentiate the truth from the fiction anymore. But I would love to know this stuff. And I was just thinking about Cruise yesterday. I would love to look him up, and but then well, no matter what I read, I'm not sure if it's true or not because yeah. he's got such a wacky reputation, and yeah. it's entertainment news, so they write anything. Yeah, so I feel like I I can never like know the placenta the man. thing, but he actually yeah, said that. Yeah, that's that's alarming. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that sort of thing, like the parents eat it, the mother eats it, the baby, you know, save it and then feed it to the baby later. I don't know. I've heard. I feel like I've heard all versions of this stuff, right. and it seems pseudoscience-y to me. Yeah, and, I agree. Um, the the idea now isn't that you know it would it would be like a life-saving thing that you would do for the kid it's more of just like a keepsake 
mm. and, a, and a tradition at this point where you pass it along. There's a couple sites I've been to that have talked about this and they've interviewed several people. And a lot of the moms just say, you know, if the kid doesn't want it, sometimes we just throw it away. Or some of the moms say, well, if the kid doesn't want it, then, you know, I'm going to be buried with it when I die. Because that's mm. kind of part of their kid that they want to keep with them. So yeah. there's a lot of reasons now that people do it. But the tradition of actually keeping it is still pretty normal here. And <clears throat> I'd never heard of this before last week. Yeah, I am just learning about it now from you. Uh, I would be curious to know. I'm going to ask my wife if her umbilical cord is still knocking around somewhere in the back of a closet. I, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it is. Yeah. yeah. What about your wife's? Do you know the whereabouts of your wife's umbilical cord? Nobody knows the exact whereabouts, but they <laughs> oh, know yeah. that it's somewhere in the house. <laughs> <laughs> like This is sounding like a ghost story. <laughs> Yeah, And on a still night, you can still hear her umbilical cord rapping at the window. That's terrifying. Well, yeah, I'll look into it more and try to figure that out. I know that my umbilical cord, I mean, unless there's an enormous plot twist in my life <laughs> that I didn't see coming, like my umbilical cord is a thing of the past. It was incinerated like, oh. moments after my birth, I'm sure. Yeah, ditto. Good luck to all of us. We may all be the proud owners very soon of umbilical cord pieces that we've yeah. wrapped in gauze and stuck in a drawer on a similar topic to this though when i first heard about this i misunderstood it as a placenta pouch mm -hmm. and so i thought that originally we were going to keep the whole placenta in a bag yeah and i didn't quite understand it at first that it was just a part of the cord and so I was like Googling it. And the first thing that comes up when you Google it is a bunch of babies lying down attached to their placenta still. And I'm sure you saw this. Yeah, yeah, I did. And so that's a completely different thing. That's actually a very American thing. And that's called a lotus birth. But I guess there's a new kind of idea that after a baby's born, you don't cut the umbilical cord. You leave it attached and let it fall off naturally because there's still nutrients in the placenta that the baby can get from it for like, I think it's like five to 10 days after Goodness. that. And then it'll naturally fall off. And so there's so, a whole, there's even like a bunch of Etsy stores dedicated to just placenta pouches that you can buy for your baby after they're born. Wow. And the placenta, like I'm not, um, up on all of my like you know the exact shape and size of all this stuff but the placenta is like the size of a catcher's mitt isn't it it's like not a small thing it's yeah. like uh it's like I the size know. of the kid's head after they're born yeah goodness and then you carry that around in a bag i mean i guess like so. a, it's like a reverse colostomy bag <laughs> kind of <laughs> <laughs> um that's amazing I mean, there's a certain logic to it in that if it continues to function, then leave it and let it function. And maybe there's a reason that nature has it this way. Yeah. But I would, I'm just, you know, spitballing. I would like to read up on it a lot more. But I don't know. like just the huge amount of like strategic difficulty of keeping that around for the first five to 10 days of the baby's life. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand logistically how you you go about it. Like do you wash that as well? <laughs> like does the baby still feed? Like yeah. There's a lot I haven't looked into, so sorry for the lack of information. Wow, it um it feels so alien to me. It's like a scene from a horror movie or something <laughs> like this, you know, the umbilical cord connected to this external organ that's feeding the baby. Yeah. It's, kinda. Uh, it's a yeah, shocking so image. Anybody interested, go Google that. Yeah. And enjoy. <laughs> um, I'm going to speak now from a, an old, old memory. So this is like, uh, okay. I think Bob Mortimer <laughs> said, this is like um, fingerprints on an abandoned handrail at this point. It's like, <laughs> it's so old, but um, yeah, uh, I had a friend and their baby was born in the, I want to say, amniotic sac. Have you heard about this? No. You know, like there's a lining 
inside yeah. the womb that the baby's in. Typically yeah. when the baby's born, he he or she comes out of that sack or I don't know what happens exactly. Don't hold me to any of this. But um, there are births occasionally when the, the baby is born and the sack is still around the baby. And hmm. so the baby comes out like a, a pod of something and then you have to extract <laughs> the baby from the sack that it was born in. And um, yeah, wow. Uh, I've never seen even one birth. So even a totally like straight and narrow, like down the middle birth would be shocking to me, but there's so many variations it turns out. Wait, have you, and I don't know, I guess every school is different in, uh, in your school, uh, probably high school at this point in Kentucky in your sex ed class, do they not show a birthing video? Um, I think that that's banned by the old Testament. So we don't get into <laughs> it. <laughs> in Kentucky as much. No. Oh, right, um, right. And, okay. But I'll pray for you, Mark, uh, and <laughs> we'll see this thing through. Uh, no, I, I don't remember seeing an actual, like, full-on birthing video, and um, I don't know if that was, like, a policy thing or just the class that I took or the lack of a class that I took. I'm not sure, but I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, you can, uh, if you're interested, you can watch it on YouTube now. Oh, wow, okay. There's a couple yeah, of them it's out on there. there. Did you watch a full-on birthing video in your I high did. school? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was very informative, especially for a a 16-year-old boy. Yeah, I do remember in elementary school, they separated all the boys from the girls, and we got like a basic sex ed talk from somebody. In elementary school? Yeah, that was in uh, fifth grade, I think. Get them going early. Yeah, I don't know. They start us early in the country. Um, (laughs) But uh, it was... um, yeah, just the just the basics. And then uh, as I went through school, of course, there were health classes that were co-ed and it was just mm. more general info in the health book. But I can only remember elementary school really being separated into boys and girls and getting the, the intense stuff. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Hmm. To this day, I do not know what's going on. <laughs> and I refuse to look into it because it terrifies me. Okay, that's fair. Well, placenta pouch, the lotus birth, all things to look into um, at your own risk. Yep. Well, um, I've got a uh, I've got a question for you. Okay. In our segment called "My Question for You Is." And as usual, I have to preface that my question for you is with a long story. Okay. Uh, this one it's not so long, but it's just hospital restrictions in the time of coronavirus. Um, I had uh, a few months ago, I ran into a guy and his, his wife had just had a baby. I ran into him at Curio Cafe hmm. and um, he said that um, this was obviously still Corona time. Um, he said that at the particular clinic where his baby was born, the policy was uh, the father can be there for the birth and you got to get out. But then you can visit for 30 minutes per day every day after that until your wife leaves the hospital. Wow. So this is now, uh, you know, it's been, I don't know, two months ago, three months ago, something like that. And he was, um, uh, I saw him and he was just about to leave and go visit at the hospital. And uh, it was pretty strict. They would kick him out after 30 minutes. But for the five or six days, his wife was in, he could see the baby every day. That was the assumption I was operating under for when um, my wife has the baby that maybe I'll get to slip in there. And then I was uh, quickly disabused of that notion this week when uh, we learned more about the exact hospital procedures. This was another thing that was covered in the in the class, another oh. question that we asked to the nurse. And um, at the Kanazawa University Hospital, as of right now, the corona restriction goes that I will drop off my wife at the hospital. And I, I can actually enter the hospital and sort of like help her to the correct area she needs to go to within the hospital. And then they'll, I guess, check us in and take her to her room and I'll be allowed to go to that room with her, but just to bring in like the suitcase overnight bag, make sure that she's set up and then I get the hell out of there. And that's the end of my interaction there. Uh, Then I go home uh, and uh, I wait for the call. As soon as the baby's born, um, my wife will call me or a nurse or someone will call me and I'm allowed to go to the hospital and I can view the baby behind glass. Like I assume it's like a maternity room, like window, like in the old days. Right. And so I won't, you know, for like Corona measures, I won't be 
you know, like breathing in the same area as the newborn baby or the doctors or nurses or whatever, but I'll be able to see the baby behind the glass. And then that will be my final hospital visit until it's time five or six days later to pick up my wife and the baby. And, um, in between we can do video chats and, and whatnot, but my wife will be in the hospital for nearly a week. Um, and I will be at home all on my own. Um, and Hmm. That's the situation. So I'll postpone my my question for you is for just a second. What's the situation for you? Do you know the details? No. I mean, I assume they're that bad, maybe worse over here. The hospital we're going to is notoriously strict mm. for coronavirus measures. So, I mean, I'll be lucky if I can even go in and get to that window. But yeah. I kind of I doubt it at this point. From uh, what my wife has told me in her uh, chatting with your wife, uh, I think it's more or less the same. I think you're right. Um, Mm. From what I've heard about Toyama uh, through the grapevine, yeah, it's basically the same sort of setup. Yeah. And um, I think uh, you're going to quite a large hospital, right? Yeah, the biggest one that we have nearby. Yeah, we're similar. I think we're at the biggest hospital in Mm -hmm. the prefecture. And... um, uh, if you go to a clinic, sometimes things are a bit more lax. And right. if you're at a smaller clinic, they can make up their own policies. And that could be like, a, oh, yeah, 30 minutes. That's fine. But at a bigger hospital, they're a lot more leery of, you know, a big outbreak. And they've got a lot more people coming and going every day anyway. Mm. So they want to cut all that stuff down as much as possible. So that leads me to the my question for you is, which is, um, do you feel like you're at some kind of like, like disadvantage is the wrong word, but that you're just like missing out on something essential in the, the baby's life, which is the first week of its life. Yeah, absolutely. And it really pisses me off that they have this policy in place. Yeah. Like I actually do not understand what they're thinking in the slightest because we live together and I'm sure any father who, if the hospital said, okay, you can come in here, you have to quarantine yourself and then we'll let you in or Mm -hmm. Hey, even just stay in the hospital with your wife during this. That would be cool. Like, yeah, just tell me that I'll do that. Yeah. Cause this is ridiculous. Like if, if I have coronavirus, she has coronavirus. Yeah. It's the only case would be the off chance that you catch it out in the world on day three and then bring it, you know, and I guess that's, what the whole precaution is there for. Right. Um, which is like, a, I don't know. I, I understand that coronavirus is quite bad. And I was just looking the other day at the, um, you know, the Corona infections and death tallies on the, you know, one of the hospitals that tracks those worldwide mm-hmm. and Japan, the day that I checked it, Japan had one death that day compared to America's 2000 deaths. Right. So definitely a place like America, which we often compare things to, it's a lot more lax but um, a lot of that is uh, what's contributing to just sort of the rampant spread of coronavirus. In Japan, they've definitely locked it down tightly. And um, you do miss out on things. Um, I'm sure everybody remembers hearing coronavirus stories from America or from anywhere in the world, especially earlier on uh, when it was kicking off of like someone was dying of it, but then their loved ones couldn't get into the hospital right. to actually even say goodbye to them as they're passing away. That's right. obviously a lot sadder and more of a pressing concern, you know, to someone who's in that situation than us, because at least we have like happy news to fall back on at the end of the day. Right. But, um, it's still, it's really sad, but in a way I, um, I appreciate living in a country that took coronavirus very seriously and continues to take it seriously mm-hmm. and has the measures, but then, and I've kind of come around to it's a necessary evil, but it's so, so, sad and disappointing at the same time that um, it's like something that you never really uh, forget or that you'll never be glad about. (laughs) But at the same time, I do view it as like probably the best course for society. No, I, I get their precaution and everything that goes with that, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy with the way the options that they give. They're like very cut and dry like Mm -hmm. you just can't come in. Whereas if they were to give an alternative and say like, okay, well, if you're going to continue going to work and doing your normal daily life, you can't come in. 
or yeah. you can try this and then you can see your newborn child, which, yeah. I mean, it's literally a once in a life opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, I think most people would say like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, stay home, work from home, do whatever I can. I'll take the week off, you know, and do it that mm-hmm. way. And that's, that's kind of my issue with it is that they don't give that option yeah. for something that is so special. Yeah. And there's often a middle way, uh, like say in a place that's quite lax, they might have no restrictions on this sort of thing. And then in Japan, it's all restriction. It's like, right. no, you get out of here for a week. Um, but I think there could be some type of middle way that I wish that they would open up to or look into a bit more. Maybe they have, maybe they've rejected this, but I was just thinking in terms of there are hundreds, if not thousands of nurses and doctors and administrative staff in this, like the largest hospital in the prefecture who are coming and going every single day. And I wonder what the requirement is on those workers. Like, do they take a PCR test every day? Because if they do, I'd be willing to do that as well. Um, do yeah, they, sure. you know, get sprayed down? Do they go into some sort of hazmat suit before they go into the baby's room or something? I'd be <clears> willing to do that. Like, just put me in exactly the same boat as what the doctors do. Give me a lot of instructions before. Be sure that I'm double vaccinated, which I am. Right. And once I've checked all those boxes, I would be willing to jump through, you know, hundreds of dollars of hoops and hours of hoops to get into the hospital during that yeah. first week. And it's yeah. not on the table. To, to the point you're making, I just wish that there were a sort of, I want to say reasonable middle way, but even make it unreasonable, make it very hard to do. And I would still go about it. I would yeah. still do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, then I feel like I'm, I don't know, there's, it swings in, in both ways. Like uh, some people feel that like skin to skin contact is essential immediately when the baby's born to establish a connection. Right. I don't know anything about that. I don't necessarily feel that myself. Uh, hmm. but I know that, you know, some people are all about like making the connection right out of the gate. I think you'll still have a very healthy relationship, equally healthy, no difference if you have or haven't seen the baby in the first week of its life, but it's just yeah. more about like the, the milestone of it and getting yeah. to experience it, I think is the the key thing for me that I'm missing or that I will be missing. Yeah. I don't think the, the child will gain anything from me being there (laughs) yeah but it's more like the experience that me and moe want to share yeah and we want to have that memory together that yeah is being cut off yeah and it's um it's missing every step of it i mean like missing the delivery for one yeah uh, seeing the baby like uh fresh you know as soon as the baby lands <laughs> i don't know the terminology <laughs> but as soon as the baby drops like a mixtape um like yeah you miss out on that moment and then like you know with a newborn it's just change after change after change so in that first week there are changes to be like seen and appreciated and everything but um yeah at the end of the day it's it's probably good i'm uh i will not reveal the um identity of this person because I didn't tell them that I was going to read this on the podcast, but I messaged with somebody who just had a kid not too long ago about this. Mm. Uh, This was another local J-pop. That's Mm. as much as I'll get into his identity. But um, I asked, uh, yeah, if he was like feeling that he was missing out on anything. And he said, um, definitely sucks about not being able to see your little one first week of their life. I guess use it as time to prepare the house and get rest. And this is a guy who just had a kid. So he's, you know, feeling pretty good about it and giving constructive advice on the other end. So um, that's good to hear. And uh, this friend of mine, his mother is a nurse in the United States. Oh, okay. And he said that uh, his mother surprised coming from that perspective about how strict Japan is. Hmm. And um, yeah, I wrote uh, that. Yeah. Good call. Um, I just found out the hospital policies and I was like, WTF. This is a little (laughs) window into my tech speak, by the way. Um, Is this standard? Yeah. I I wrote that my sister had a baby in the, in the COVID era in the United States and she and her husband were there, uh, you know, without, this type of restriction 
And um, I was like, that happened in COVID ravaged America. But I guess that's why it's COVID ravaged America because there hmm. aren't, you know, restrictions in place. So I guess that's kind of, yeah, you ultimately have to look at it as a necessary evil. Hmm. Anyway, a real downer of a my question for you is this yeah. week, but that's the reality. I'm ready for it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm ready for it. Yeah, I'm in exactly the same boat. Um, I have accepted it begrudgingly. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, what if we do a full 180? Okay. And let's crank do it. out some, 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 some dad jokes or uh, Japanese oh. of the day. Do you have a Japanese of the day that you want to just throw out there? I don't have any Japanese of the day. No. What about umbilical cord? You learned that recently. Yeah, that's actually kind of a weird word. Uh, hey, so no. Hey, so no. I don't know the breakdown on that or anything. All right, good. Well, good to know anyway. Uh, right into dad jokes. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, okay. I've got one good dad joke. This is no fooling around with the Japanese. Uh, this is just a straight English dad joke. And okay. it goes, if I can remember it, it goes, I got a new toilet brush recently, but I don't really like it. And I think I'm just going to go back to toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. Right? <laughs> okay. I like I it. I love that joke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, do you have a dad joke to fly back at me or you want me to just rattle off a couple dad jokes here? Okay. I got one that you're especially going to like. <laughs> All right. What concert costs just 45 cents? Uh, wait, let me think about it. What concert costs just 45 cents? I mean, 50 cent has to be involved. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got it. You tell me. Tell me. I figured it out, though, but you tell me. Uh, 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. Boom! <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, I nice. appreciate that. Nice. I've got a band-related dad joke. Oh, perfect. Uh, it's um, uh, Bono and The Edge walk into a bar, and the bartender says, Oh, not you two again. <laughs> <laughs> delayed reaction <laughs> oh i was a big fan of that one uh, um, nice nice both of those were stolen from a comedian named jimmy owen so everybody look up jimmy owen he's a very funny man very well done very well done all right well that may bring us to a finish here yeah i think so i don't have anything more today yeah i think we're all good yeah let's wrap it up okay Thank you to everyone for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at jpopspodcast or by email at info at thejpops.com. No hyphens or anything in any of that. And um, without further ado, let's get to our outro lines. Mark, hit me with that outro line. Be good to your grandma. And... Um, be good to your grandmother's umbilical jerky. Ew. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Later. <laughs> <laughs>